Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com. If I have to go to another meeting, I'm going to shoot myself. I do all the work and get none of the credit. I'm gone all day. You're sitting on the couch. This house is a mess. The weather is too hot. The weather is so cold. I hate how she always does that. These gas prices are out of control. I don't like this and I don't like that. I hate this and I hate that. But did you ever stop to think that maybe God, let alone everyone else, is tired of our complaining? All right, well, before we start today, I, I, just, I just have something to say here. I have a complaint. Um, is it me, or is it just like freezing in here? Can, can somebody turn down the temperature in here, huh? And, and, and actually, while we're, while we're at that, you know, that music is just so loud. Oh, my gosh. I'm like losing my hearing. Does anyone else feel that way here? My goodness gracious. While you turn the music down, one more thing. If you could just turn the lights up for crying out loud. I can't even read my Bible. What is going on? And I, I know what, what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, where's Pastor Tim? I don't want to listen to that guy. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, hey, I just want to say hello to everybody. Uh, I'm Pastor Tom, and we are in the, it, we're in the last message of this series. It's the series finale of Trash Talk, okay, where for the past couple of weeks, we've been examining the power of words in our relationships. And today, we're going to actually explore the best alternative to complaining, okay? Because for many of us, truth is, there's just way too many ways. It's just too easy to point out all the negative things in life and to complain. You know, maybe that's why there are so many passages in the Bible, actually, that remind us to constantly focus on the good, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, God's word encourages us. It actually tells us to focus on the positive rather than to dwell on the negative. Yet, Yet let's be honest here, that, that seems so like, sort of like pie in the sky to us, doesn't it? As if the issues of life could somehow like magically be overcome by the power of positive thinking, right? That, that's, we're kind of averse to that, right? I mean, we live in this sort of dog-eat-dog world where cynicism and complaining are national pastimes, right? I mean, after all, you take away cynicism, you take away complaining, what else are you going to talk about at the water cooler, right? But well-known journalist James Glassman actually put it this way in the Wall Street Journal. This is what he wrote. He said, a culture of complaint has infected American society. And then he goes on and he lists a bunch of examples. He says, Americans hold food corporations responsible for making them fat. That's what I've been doing for years. Uh, Others seek litigation against uh, banks for lending them money. Uh, There are complaints about overcrowding in schools, low-paying jobs, and cheap foreign labor. The truth is some of these complaints are actually unfounded or else ignore offsetting blessings 
Mind you, folks, this is not a pastor who is speaking. Rather, he's a well-respected journalist. You see, uh, according to Glassman, there are many reasons for us, especially as Americans, not to complain. For instance, in, in most towns across New Jersey right now, people are like up in arms, right, about, about budget cuts in schools, right? I, I get it. I live in a town that's where exactly it's in the paper all the time, right? Yet just a few decades ago, the student-to-teacher ratio was over 30 to 1. Today, it's more like 20 to 1. Right? We, we complain that, that budgets are, you know, our personal budgets are too tight and that, and that we don't have enough things, right? But yet, today, more Americans work fewer hours, have more cars, have more TVs, more computers, more luxuries, more access to cultural institutions, and more of our children today go to four-year colleges than ever before. Yet, if you were to turn on the evening news or have more than a five-minute conversation with a group of friends, and somehow, some way, complaints start to arise. It's inevitable. Now, I better be careful lest I start complaining about our culture of complaints, right? But, but seriously, what do you do when our everyday mumbly-grumblies, some of which we're not even aware of, it just we're, we're always trash-talking, what do you do when they pile up into these mounds and mounds of trash-talk? You know, we say things without even thinking like, ugh, you know, why are these lines so long? Don't they have any more cash registers here? My goodness, hey, what kind of driving is that, buddy? I, you know, I just, I hate Mondays, oh my gosh, meatloaf again? You know, it, it's, isn't it just too easy to slip in this sort of complaint zone? Uh, we, we start finding fault with everything and everyone. We complain about big things and small things. We complain about unimportant things as well as important things. We're constantly complaining. And then, then we go to church or, or we open up our Bibles and we get hit with a verse like this, Philippians 2.14, do what now? How much? Everything without, let's say this together, without complaining. Or arguing. It's crazy, right? I, I, I mean, normally we just sort of glance over a verse like that. We just kind of skip it on by, right? Don't even really think about it. But no, 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 folks. God's word is telling us that we are to do everything. We're to do everything without complaining. And, and so this is where it becomes crucial to remember something that you know, Pastor Tim actually shared at the start of this series, right? And that is that words, words are only a symptom of a real issue that is taking place deep inside of our hearts, right? See, what's in our hearts is actually the main issue. The words that we actually speak, the words that come out actually, they, they just reveal the condition of what's happening inside, Right? Uh, in fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so how does, this, how does this sort of play out in our everyday lives, right? Well, well from a negative heart, which is quite frankly what, what many of us have, okay? from a negative heart overflow these negative words. And from these negative words, they turn into these sort of negative actions. 
which result in a miserable life. You know, it reminds me of this email I got just this past week. Okay, I, I'm going to share this with her permission. She wrote this, There are so many things wrong with my life. Everything is falling apart. I don't even know where to begin. And within a single paragraph, she started listing off all these different things that were going on. She had lost her job. She had difficulty with a certain relationship. There was a friend who betrayed her. There was a lack of direction, lack of health even. And then she finally wrote this. She wrote, what is God doing? Does he even care? What does he want from me? What is his will for my life? And towards the end, one of the last sentences that she writes is this. This series on words is great and all, but how's it going to work in my life? How does it actually matter? I need to know God's plan for my life. Now here's the deal, folks. Turn with me in your Bibles, would you, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's found on page 821 in your Bibles there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, uh, page 821. And let me share with you a little passage that personally speaking, God has been drilling into my heart. He's been drilling into my, he's been doing a number with this passage in, in my life lately, okay? This has been changing my heart. It's been changing my words. I, I'll even say it's been changing my life. No exaggeration, okay? Check this out. The Apostle Paul is writing to the believers in the city called Thessalonica, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, he says this, Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I am not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm definitely not trying to be too simplistic either. But check this out. If you've ever asked that question, what is God's will for my life? Here's the answer. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Scripture says, for this is God's will for you. <laughs> in other words, God's plan for you is to actually always be full of joy and to have this open communication with God himself. That's actually what it means to pray, right? And, and it's also part of his will for you is to be thankful in whatever situation that you find yourself in. Because folks, when you do that, when you are right smack dab in the middle of God's will, when you are right smack dab in the middle of his palms, Right? There ain't nowhere else you would rather be. Notice it says, give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But the thing is, here's the thing. You cannot be giving thanks. You, you just can't be thankful. It's physically impossible for you to actually be thankful when you're what? Exactly. When you're doing this. When you're complaining, it's impossible for you to be thankful. Now, here, here's where I need to pause for a second, and I just, I just need to say something. If I seem like, you know, really like passionate about all this and everything, it's, it's actually because I am. 
You know, I mean, this, this is one of those areas of my life, as I said before, that God has been doing a work inside of me personally. You see, I, I, I have to admit here, for years in my life, this is what it was like. This is, God would just be pouring his blessings, pouring his blessings, pouring, 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 all the time, just be pouring his blessings into me. And I would enjoy them. I would just, mm, mm. Oh, God, that's so good. Oh, I need some more, God. Mm, mm. Uh, and he would just pour again, pour again. But no matter how much he poured, he would just pour some more, pour some more. No matter how much he poured, to me, every time I looked at it, it was half empty. No matter how much he poured and no matter what he poured into my life, I just looked at it and I would partake of it. I'd be, mm, mm. God, that's so good. But I still, I would still have this sort of unthankfulness, this sort of resentment, this sort of comparing myself to others. And I would just, I would just always see the glass as half empty. You know, they say, I want to give you a specific example. I want to go live here for a second and say this. They say that your first job, your first real job, right? I'm not talking about part-time. Your first real job right out of the gates is usually your worst, Right? Why? Because you go in and you have so many expectations and dreams and all that stuff. I remember being a young kid and just graduating college. I went off to grad school. Then I went to seminary. And for, for, the, for those five, six years, I've been preparing and preparing, reading the scriptures, learning, learning the original language, all that stuff, getting prepared. Oh, I'm going to go into ministry. And my mind was just getting so puffed up. I knew all this stuff, and I had it, I had, you know, just academically, theoretically, I had all these ideas. Oh, yeah, I grew up in a church. They did that wrong, and they did this wrong. And when I serve at a church, when I become a, the church is going to be like this, this, and that. Oh, man, I feel bad for that first church that I served at. My goodness, I got out of those seminary gates. I went to my first church that I served at for six years as a pastor. And it was a, it was a blessing. It was so many good, good, wonderful things. But I just saw it as half empty. And I would come home at night, and I would just complain. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not proud of this. I would complain and complain and complain about where God had put me. And what God was doing in my life and, and, and how he was revealing himself to others. I would complain about the church's expectations. I would complain about the people's expectations. I would complain about the way that we were doing things, the way that we weren't doing things. And constantly, constantly complaining until one day, one day, I'm constantly complaining to my wife, right? My poor, poor wife. Erica says to me one day, she's like, you know what, Tom? I just, I just, you know... I don't know what's going on with you. are just really complaining a lot these days. I'm just, I'm just tired of hearing it. And, of course, I complained about that. I was like, oh, great, on top of everything now, now I have, like, this unsupportive wife. And you know what I did? I started quoting Scripture to her. Yeah, I did that old Proverbs 27:15. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. But you know what? That constant dripping wasn't coming from her. Where was it coming from? It's coming from me, right? It was, it was constant dripping about this and dripping about that and dripping about this and dripping about that, about this person and about this way of doing things and about that way of doing things. And drip, 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 drip. It was like Chinese water torture, only I'm Korean. You know, drip, drip. And before too long... 
with all this constant complaining and drip, 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 it was becoming very obvious to me. It was just something in my heart was just unsettled. And it's just like, it, this is years ago then. I just realized, you know what? My words, the trash talk coming out of my mouth, it, it just had to be, something about it was just symptomatic of something deeply wrong inside of my heart. My heart was filled with such resentment and judgment and bitterness and anger. And my words, my words were actually betraying me. They were actually exposing who I was and what I was thinking. And so I was not joyful. <laughs> I was not even prayerful. And you can tell right now, I was not very thankful at all. And my words were demonstrating that. And your words do the same exact thing. I mean, folks, you want to be miserable? I mean, just really miserable about your job? Then just complain about everything all the time. Complain about your commute, your coworkers, the office fridge. You complain about your idiot boss and the stupid copier machine and how the fax doesn't work. Complain about this. Complain about that and, and how you're undervalued and underpaid. Complain. Drip, 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 drip away. Complain, complain, complain about everything and everyone and just every single possible thing about your job. And I guarantee you, you will hate your job and people will hate working with you. It's the truth, right? By the way, same thing, I realize this, right? Same thing with your spouse, right? Nitpick your spouse to death. Sorry, Chuck. Nit, just nitpick away. Just about everything, just nag, nag, nag. Just complain about every single thing. Complain about the way he chews his food and the way that she drives and the way that he snores and the way that her hair clogs up the sink and the way that his socks are on the ground as well as his underwear. Just complain, complain, complain about everything. You zero in, you lock down and complain about every single aspect and I guarantee you, you will ruin whatever chances you ever had of having a great marriage you know in fact years ago there was this u.s news and world report article which actually said if you speak in just a negative tone just a negative tone one out of ten times to your spouse your marriage has more than a 90 percent chance of ending in divorce that's incredible See, folks, if you want to turn off the drip, drip, drip of constant complaints in your life, you need to focus on what you actually do have in front of you, what's actually right there in front of you. You need to focus on what God has already given you, that the glass actually is half full in front of you, and you can be thankful about that. You see, thankfulness... Thankfulness actually squashes all complaints. Thankfulness is the complaint killer. Be thankful for what you have, not complaining for what you don't. Again, Scripture says give thanks 
in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, the secret to life is actually an attitude of gratitude. Exactly. But I get it. I get it, folks. Some of you are like, well, that's great. Attitude of gratitude. Awesome. But how? How the heck am I supposed to be thankful about my situation? I mean, if it were, uh, if it were that easy to just sort of shut off complaining, if it were that easy to, to stop being critical and just be thankful of everything in my life, of course I would. But how actually do I get my heart to that place? That is a great, great question. I want to show you right now two quick Bible snapshots, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, where you are actually going to be able to see with your own eyes quickly and very easily how the same scenario, looking at the same glass full of water, okay, how that same glass of water, so to speak, can be interpreted in two different ways, either half empty or half full, and what it takes to actually make this switch. Okay? The first place I, wanna, I want you to think about is Numbers 11. You don't have to turn there. You all know the story, actually. This is where basically Moses, right, he leads the Israelites out of Egypt, right? And if you've ever watched TBN, you know that as he's leading them out of, the, uh, out of, out of Egypt, what, what does he actually go through? What parts? The Red Sea. Okay, you've watched TBN. Okay, so anyways... Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. Now, the amazing thing is, <clears throat> they had been enslaved. They were slaves in Egypt for how, over 400 years. Okay? They were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And, and, and God, he actually frees them. And the way that he frees them is he literally parts the waters. Right? He parts the Red Sea. But do you remember what actually happens when the Israelites, there's like a million of them, literally, right? They're following Moses. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're being chased. The sea parts, right? They cross over to the other side. And do you remember what happens when they actually get to the other side? Do you remember what happens, right? Um, excuse me. Um, I have a complaint. It's great and all that, that we've been led out of, out of slavery and the whole, the whole Red Sea thing. That is just wonderful. But I just, um, we're getting kind of hungry here. Uh, I, I, was just, I was just wondering, uh, like, are we going to have anything to eat? They start complaining, right? So God, in his generosity, actually performs a second miracle in leading them out of slavery, right? What does he do? He provides them with what now? Oh, yeah, somebody's been to Sunday school, right? He provides them with manna, right? Which was like this sort of bread-like, you know, frosted flakes sort of a thing, right? Uh, are, are, you, are, you, are you catching this, okay? God literally gives them breakfast in bed. They don't have to work for it. They don't hunt. They don't grow it. It's an agrarian culture. They don't, do it. They don't go to the stop and shop. They don't go to... They literally, they wake up and it's there waiting for them. Breakfast in bed. I mean, that is incredible. But you know what's even more incredible than that? 
Numbers 11.4 says this, The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. Are you getting this? This is kind of comical. In other words, it's like, Moses, uh, uh, we, we have another complaint. This, this divine breakfast in bed, that is just so, I don't want to seem ungrateful or anything, but, but this is just, it's getting kind of, you know, same old, same old. It's a little tired, don't you think? Does anyone else here feel the same way? If we could just have some more meat. I mean, don't you remember the days when we were in Egypt? Verse 5 actually says this. These, this is literally their words. It says, remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost? Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks. I don't even know what a leek is. Leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. That's a lot of complaining for a people who have just been literally freed from 400 years of slavery, right? And and they're being served this breakfast in bed. And and so do you know how Moses responds, right? Moses, who remember now, is experiencing the same exact set of circumstances, right? He he sees the same manner, he eats the same manner, he sees the same exact set of circumstances as these people, but rather than complaining about it, Moses actually, he remembers what God did in the past. That he just delivered them from 400 years of slavery. And Moses also looks to what God is providing today. Bed and breakfast. It's not too bad. Okay? And so, and so it's, it's not too hard to imagine, right? Moses sitting there amidst all these complaints, and you can almost hear him saying to himself, whoa, 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 did you guys already forget how we were slaves back in Egypt? Like, don't you guys, like, remember that whole Red Sea parting? I mean, that just happened, like, last week, right? And and yeah, sure, maybe, maybe we had some more variety back then, but let's not forget God miraculously broke our chains of slavery. He miraculously led us out here, and he serves us breakfast in bed every morning so we never have to worry about it. Meanwhile, all you can do is complain about not having enough garlic? What are you, Italian? Come on. Same cup, same exact cup, two totally different perspectives. And if the response of the Israelites, if it weren't so similar to my own, honestly, maybe the story would actually be more funny than it is convicting to me. Because honestly, folks, sometimes I catch myself with this sort of attitude. Eh, I thought there'd be more garlic. Eh, you know, I was, I was really hoping for some more onions. Rather than this tremendous sort of overflowing of thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for for freeing me from from the bondage of myself, from the bondage of sin. Thank you for for making me no longer a slave. 
Thank you for providing for me every single day. God, you are amazing. Instead of having this thankful attitude, more often than not, I'm just like, oh, man, I, I miss that garlic. So, folks, the question for you is this. It, it, if you're actually thinking to yourself something like, you know, how do you muster up the strength to be thankful no matter what your situation? That little snapshot in the Old Testament shows us at least two ways if you're taking notes. The first one is this. Number one, remember what God did in the past. If you need some heart work, if you need some heart surgery, and you're wondering how it is that you can be thankful in the situation that you're in today, remember what God did in the past. And number two is this, acknowledge what God's doing today. You need to acknowledge that. What is the manna that he's provided for you today? Now check this out, okay? I want to give you a second snapshot here. This one's found in the New Testament. It's Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, we basically see the story about how Jesus was invited into this home uh, where there, there, was, there, there were these two sisters, Mary and Martha, right? And, and you, we're going to see how the, you know, the two totally different approaches to the same exact situation. They're both looking at the same exact glass, these two sisters, right? Same cup, same water, right? But they have two totally different perspectives. One is half empty, the other is half full. You see, Martha, Martha was doing what many of us do whenever guests are in the house or, or they're about to come over, right? What, 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 do, what do many of us do? We start freaking out, right? We start, we start cleaning everything up. We're, we're busy doing this and busy doing that. We're cooking up a storm. We're, we're cleaning. We're sweeping. We're vacuuming. We're, we're getting the house in order. And, and just, just like this complete blur of, of frenzied activity she was, right? And, and somewhere in the midst of that whirlwind, right, she's, you know, she, she finally goes to her guest. Who's her guest? It's Jesus. She goes to Jesus in this frenzied activity, and she's like, she, she starts to complain. You know, Jesus, I'm like, I'm like working my fingers to the bone here, trying to make this a, a great experience for you. And just, it would just really help if you could just tell my sister. I mean, I don't even know what she's doing. She's just like sitting there at your feet. I mean, she's so lazy. If you could just tell her to lend me a hand, that would be so great, you know. Because, I mean, just, I'm just trying to do all this work. I'm just, I'm just so busy. There's so much to do, and not enough people are doing it. And, and my glass is just half empty right? That was her focus, right? See, see, Martha was focused on what wasn't done, on actually what wasn't there, right? But you take that same cup, different perspective, right? Jesus actually responds this way, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So the question is this, what, what was Mary doing? Mary was actually sitting there at the Lord's feet. Uh, that's what verse 39 says. It, 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 in other words, she was worshiping him. And, and you know, what, what, what is worship, folks? What, what exactly is worship? Worship is actually giving God gratitude. Gratitude for who he is and what he's already done. That's what worship is. You see, same cup, 
The situation has not changed. Jesus is visiting this home. The same cup, but two totally different perspectives. One is half empty. The other is half full. The half full approach actually embraces the guest. It embraces Jesus. The half empty, eh, the best it does is it actually complains to the guest. See, sometimes, and, I, and, and I'm speaking personally, I'm, I'm kind of preaching this to myself. Uh, this is one that I need to remember most. See, sometimes the quickest way out of complaining, out of that just ugly, bitter, just critical complaining zone and into a heart of thankfulness is to focus, it's to lock down on what I've actually been given not on what I think I lack. And folks, what have we been given in Christ? Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you know that God, with Jesus Christ, wants to graciously give us all things. He didn't spare his own son. Why would he spare anything else? See, when you shift your focus to what you've actually been given in Christ, it'll change your perspective about everything, about every relationship that you're in, about every situation that you find yourself in. In fact, earlier this week, I actually put this into practice. I noticed some mumbly grumblies in my own heart. Right? And I actually said, no, no, it's so ironic, right? Because I'm working on a message about, you know, complaining. And, and in my own heart, I was complaining about different things. And I just said, no, no, no I've got to stop here for a second. And you know what I did? It's going to sound corny to some of you, kind of cheesy, right? But I actually took a couple minutes, and I typed out 50 things that I'm thankful for right now. 50 things, right? And, 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 and you know something? It actually, it, sound, it may sound like it took a long time. It did not take a long time at all. In fact, I could have kept on going, but it was past 2 a.m. in the morning and I had to sleep, okay? But I just, it, it was just so amazing. And I'm so glad. That like carried me through the rest of the week. I mean, you know, there, there's, some, there's some, you know, the, you make a list like this and there, you, you find some things that you take for granted, right? Number four, I put three healthy girls, right? You, you take things like that for granted. I put, uh, I can drink clean water whenever I want. That was number 18. That's something I take for granted. There are some silly things here. I don't want to sound too like, oh, you know, what? Like number one was a nice desk lamp. I, I think I just put that because it was dark and, the, you know, the, the, it was just whatever, you know. G good internet connection. That's, that's what, that was my number two, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, Amazon, you know, Amazon.com. I'm actually, that, was, that made number 36 there. But these are 50 things that I'm thankful for, you know. Uh, I'm thankful right now that I'm, I, have a, I have a quiet home and that everyone's asleep, right. You got your silly things. You got your things that you take for granted. You got your things that you never even realize. I mean, this is just, just an amazing thing. And honestly, folks, honestly, do you know how liberating that was to just stop for a second and simply focus on what God, who he is, and what he's already done and what he's already given to me and to, and to, just, to just say thanks 
Do you know how absolutely liberating that was? Okay? And so my challenge to you right now is this. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to write down 50 things. You, you can do that at a later time if you choose, okay? But I do want to challenge you right now, this moment, to, to look, at, look at that one thing. Look at that one thing that, that you came in here with and you kind of had a complaining, critical spirit about it. I identify that, that one thing in your life right now that, you, that is so easy for you to complain about. And I challenge you to look at it differently from a different perspective. In other words, rather than zeroing in on all that is obviously negative, obviously falls short, it's obviously bad, okay? We are all experts at identifying what is wrong. Okay, let's just acknowledge that. Instead, let me challenge you for a brief moment here to take a step back. Take a step back and identify one thing that you've actually, you've been complaining about, right? But you, need, you know that you need to look at it from a different perspective. It's the same glass, folks. There's no magic trick here. Right? It's the same exact glass, but now you're looking at it from a different perspective. What was once half empty is now half full. What does that look like for you, folks? You, know, you, you, you might want to take the time right now to actually jot it down on your connection card. You, you, know, you know. Every week we're sharing how we have a team of people, the staff. We have the e-prayer and e-care team. They, we want to be praying for you guys. Write it down on your connection card if you're so inclined. We would love to partner with you and pray for that one area where you need God's eyes, right? The glass is still the same, but this is an area where you're saying, you know what, I need God's help. I actually need God's eyes to view this thing that it's so easy for me to complain. I need God's help to change my heart from this one that complains to one that is actually thankful. Folks, as you're writing that down, as, as you identify that, that one specific area of, of complaint in your life, I actually want to introduce you. I, I've been waiting all week to do this. I want to introduce you to this incredible young man who just absolutely refuses to ever look at his glass as half empty. Check this out. In the darkness of his eyes and through the sweetness of his hands, when Patrick Hughes plays, it is the music of possibility and the sound of promise. How would you describe your disabilities? Not disabilities at all, more abilities. Abilities everybody hears and sees at every Louisville football game. To understand how Patrick Hughes and his father became a two-person member of the Cardinal Marching Band, go back to when the music began. Born without eyes, and with a tightening of the joints that prevents his limbs from ever straightening, Patrick has been blind and crippled from birth. It's just countless the number of dreams that, that die, and my wife and I were devastated. We just asked, why us? We played by all the rules, we worked hard, we just didn't understand. Kisses for Dad. 
That heartbreak began to fade, even before Patrick's first birthday, from his first moments at the family's piano in Louisville, Kentucky. You could go up and, and hit a note no matter where it was on the, on the piano and within a, one or two tries he would find that exact note. By his second birthday, he was playing requests. Can you play You Are My Sunshine? I was just ecstatic that, you know, okay, we're not going to play baseball, but we're going to play music together. And that was, that was really exciting. Let's see how far we can run with this. Fitted with artificial eyes and placed in a wheelchair, as Patrick grew, so did his passion and his talent. He played old standards by grade school and blues numbers by high school. By the time he arrived at the University of Louisville this year, his musical ability on piano as well as trumpet was well known throughout the city. He's, he's my hero. I've told him before. Uh, what he goes through it's taught me that I don't really have any complaints. I guess a father couldn't ask for, for any more than, than the relationship that I have with Patrick. God made me blind and unable to walk, big deal. He gave me the ability to, the musical gifts I have and the great opportunity to meet new people. That's your fans, buddy. Maybe when they hear him play, they recognize, wow, you know, Imagine the possibilities I didn't even consider when I saw this young man that I now know from hearing him play. It's just amazing, isn't it? You know, a, a famous author said it this way. He said, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. See, attitude is everything. I, I, did, did you... Did you actually hear what Patrick said there? He said, God made me blind and unable to walk. Big deal. He gave me musical gifts and a great opportunity to meet new people. Folks, if a young man like that can actually say, thank you, what on earth, honestly, do you and I actually have to complain about? I mean, seriously. Again, Scripture says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So folks, you know, what, what did you write down? You know, last week we wrote on cards, right? And we wrote these cards, bless you, right? Maybe this week it has to be thank you, right? Well, what's that one thing, that, that one glass in your life, so to speak, right, where you've always tended to look at it as half empty, let's go to God right now, right this moment, and ask him to help change our perspective and see this thing as half full. Folks, let's, let's actually quit all this trash talk, okay? and replace it with thanksgiving. Let's pray, folks. Heavenly Father,
You are such a good God. And Father, I can't laugh at the Israelites. I can't scoff at them. A lot of times I, I think myself as, as better than them. But God, I am so often complaining about garlic and onions and, and leeks and, and, and the things I had in slavery. When you have given me freedom in Jesus Christ, when you, when you provide daily for my every single need, I pray right now for every man and woman, every child in this room, every single thing that they've identified in their life as a glass that they have consistently and very easily looked as always half empty, I pray, Father, that you would give them new eyes to see that it is half full and that we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Audio. If this message has touched you, we'd love to know how. Just email Pastor Dave Adamson at churchonline at liquidchurch.com. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com.